Hey everyone, welcome back to Pin the Q Podcast, episode 15 in Jersey City. I'm so happy to come out here, uh, my buddy Chris with me, he was a big part of this obviously, uh, at the Reservoir Station, as you call it. Yep, this is the Reservoir Fire Station. And Battalion 3, Chief, uh, this is Chief Gorman, why don't you quickly tell everybody who you are? Uh, my name is Rich Gorman, I'm a fireman, born and raised in this great city. Um, on the job for just over 27 years now. Um, obviously, risen through the ranks. Each rank in itself was an incredible experience. I um, firefighter for 15 years, and I loved every minute of it. And then I became a captain 10 years and loved every minute of it. And the last three years, as a battalion chief, I love every minute of it. Um, even though the responsibility climbs each way, and uh, the responsibility to the men and their lives and their families increases. It's still, it's all about the job and the greatest job in the world. And in my opinion, being a Jersey City fireman makes a big difference. That's great. And we're, we're going to talk about that because that's, that's extremely important. What I do want to mention to our guests is, um, Chief, first and foremost, I want to thank you. You're quite welcome to be in this firehouse. I, I got to tell you, not only uh, to come on the show, which it was an absolute honor for me to have you on my show, especially the small platform, a man of your stature, come on the show, it means a lot to me. But when I got here, from the minute I stepped foot in your floor, I've been treated like a brother, like, like a, a family member. And to me, that is so important. And, I, and that is why I'm doing this. And, and I can't stress that enough how much I really appreciate uh, the way I've been treated here. The men and the lady in the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, brothers and sisters here are just amazing. It is. It is. And uh, I, I know we discussed it, um, and, and I know a little bit of your background. And you know, we firmly believe that professionalism is, is a state of mind. It's not whether you get paid to do this job or not, or whether you're in a career department or a volunteer fire department. The public depends on you, on us. Right. And they deserve the very best Absolutely. every single time we go out the door. And I like that you say that professionalism is a state of mind, because I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, professionalism, whether you collect a paycheck or you don't collect a paycheck, the minute you leave this house, we're representing those people. Yes, The people yes, outside are. the doors, right? So, Chief, take me back to the, to the beginning, right? The, the humble beginning. So, how did you end up becoming a firefighter? Oh, this is, this is a great story. My, uh, my, my, my father, he's a retired policeman in Jersey City, and you know, having... Growing up in Jersey City and having your father as a cop, it was, it was pretty cool. You got away with a lot of things <laughs> back in the 70s and 80s. And, and I really pushed the limits. It was, it was fun. Um, but down on Winfield in the boulevard where I, was, where I grew up, it was one house off the boulevard. And the projects were between the fire station and where I lived. So they, 19 engine, ladder 8 in the 2nd Battalion, was going down to Curry's Woods, had to be you know, 20, 30 times a day. And each and every time, I had to hit the side window of the house, and I saw it, and I had to run. And so, you know, being four and five years old, that um, fire, no pun intended, was ignited. And, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really what I want to do. So, like I said, you, you fast forward it, and as I'm growing up and I'm taking civil service, I, I, I go to grammar school in my neighborhood, Our Lady Mercy at the parish. Uh, I go to Marist High School. And uh, I graduated in 1983. I take my first civil service test. Uh, and I had to take three of them before I got to the point where I could be considered. And on my third test, I was ranked number 27 here and also in the top 50 for the police department. So I had a choice to make. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and it's almost like you could have you followed your father's footsteps yes. and became a police officer. Yeah, and uh, even so much so that I was so close to almost becoming a policeman that he had purchased a new weapon that he was going to pass to me and I was going to have his... And, and all of that, That's that was going to happen. That's interesting. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and then my, my uncle, which... Just about every cop on the police force is your uncle when you're growing up in that oh, yeah. type of family. Um, Eddie Black, God rest his soul, uh, he died in the line of duty for the Jersey City Police uh, when he was alive. He kind of grabbed me, put me in a chokehold and says, if you take the cop job, I'll take care of you myself. So as they say, that was, uh, that was it. So, but no, I, I truly wanted to be a fireman every, every day of my life. And so after taking three tests and almost giving up, I got on, and every single day I come in, it's like being a five-year-old kid again, and not everybody appreciates that, but it, it's an incredible feeling, and, and, and that, um, you know, when, when you have that, um, that spark every single day, you have that... I call it passion. Passion, every, yes, passion, and, and, and just because I'm a Jersey City fireman, to me, that's, that's all I've ever wanted to be. So I'm, I'm living my boyhood dream every, every single day. That's amazing, Chief. It, it really is. It, it gave me goosebumps because I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that's all I ever wanted to be was a fireman growing up. And when I got that, I mean, to be a firefighter in Jersey City is amazing that you were able to do that. Tell me what it was like when you finally, after the third time trying, you finally got that, they punched your card. Tell me what that feeling was like. It, it's, it's surreal. It, it, it really is. Um, you get the phone call. You're doing all the background investigation and growing up in Jersey City and you drive, you, know, you get a lot of parking tickets. I had to pay $2,000 worth of parking tickets to get moved on. That was, that was an amazing feat. So anyway, um, they do your investigation and then you get the phone call that you're going to be appointed. And you, like, you're trembling when you're reading the letter and you're getting that phone call. It's like winning the lottery. It, it really is. You know, it's what you say. It really is. It, it's, so you report down to fire headquarters, and at that time, you got sworn in before oh. you started training. Now you, you get sworn in afterwards, right. but you, you get sworn in, and you know, you're in your civilian clothes, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you're in. And, like, it, it's just a, it's an amazing feeling, and so now you start... You start your training school, you get your uniform immediately, and then you put the uniform on, and it's like... That's pride. It, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, for guys who put on a uniform and don't feel what I feel, I, I really don't know what to tell them. Because if, if they don't have it, they don't have it. Uh, every single day from that day, when I put this on, when I wear this patch on my arm, that, is, that comes from my soul every single day. And, uh, and, and it's just incredible. I mean, um, so then you learn your trade... You, you're a city kid. You know how to look at a personality and say, okay, that guy is the real deal. This guy, maybe not so much. So you, you, you connect with real people. And you ask senior men to mentor you. And next thing you know, it, you know you're, you're, you're fighting fires. So what year was it you became a firefighter? 1992. So in 1992, how different was the culture here in Jersey City Fire Department? Hmm. Um, it, it has transcended somewhat. Um, the different um, personalities that come on, the, uh, the ages, and I think, and I, and I wonder myself if, um, I don't think the fire service any ch it changes much. I think it's the, um, the, the people who come into it 
and, and they bring their own traits. Uh, so we'll have to adapt to what we're begin, being given today. It's interesting. You, you go back and you, you say it was 95 that you had so many people retire. Yes. And then at the same time, now you got guys that weren't, were moving up into the captain positions, correct? Yes. And at that point, maybe they weren't even ready to be captains, but they're, but they're now captains. Now they're leaders. It's, a difficult, it's difficult in, in that itself. That they're, you know, it's difficult already that they're becoming captains. They have to learn a whole new set of responsibilities. Absolutely. But at the same time, they're still kind of learning the trade. Yes. So, and this is a trade that you, you, you can never stop learning. Absolutely. You know, there are so many different things that happen. You have to stay into the books. You have to learn uh, from somebody else's experience. Um, you, you have to look at, unfortunately, you have to look at um, tragedies in the fire service and you know, take that and hope and pray that we don't have the same experience that we learned from. And I don't want to necessarily say somebody's mistake, but their misfortune. Now, I'm not a Monday morning quarterback kind of a guy, and uh, this is a dangerous job, but if, if we can learn something from somebody else's experience um, to go home safe, well, then we'll take a look at how they did their operation. Absolutely. And then, unfortunately, when people do pass on, it's our obligation to take a look at ha what happened. Oh, we have to. And, and again, it's, we're not Monday morning quarterback, and we're just taking a look at what's happening. How can we prevent this if we can prevent it? How can mm -hmm. we prevent this in the future? Mm -hmm. So just based on what you're telling me, obviously training is important to you. Yeah, oh, it is, absolutely. Every single day. Uh, so I, I, when I got on, I, put my, I, I was fortunate enough to be put into Rescue Company 1 with less than two years on the job. And uh, Dr. Dennis O'Neill, the superintendent of the fire academy, was my first deputy chief. And um, he had the confidence in me to put me in that. And um, that's where I met uh, Captain Kevin Stewart at the time. Uh, Deputy Chief, uh, well, Mike Turpak was a fireman at the time, Jimmy Drennan, um, Frank DeBicke, and Jimmy Paranot, uh, some of the best firemen of the era. And, and here I am, two years, less than two years on the job, learning the trade from people who are writing books about it now. It's intimidating. Oh, it, it's incredible. But it's an opportunity that you have to seize. You have to take that. If, if you're a fool, if you don't listen to what these guys, if you don't emulate what they did, you're foolish. And um, Kevin Stewart, he, um, he became my mentor. And he died. He, he passed away. Um, and um, it, it was very profound, a, a deep effect on, on me. Um, he helped me in the fire service, in the uh, New Jersey Task Force One, urban search and rescue, uh, getting and operating on that team. And, um, you know, for what he taught me, I owe him. And every one of these guys, and they're all watching me now, but I, I owe every one of them the experience that I have. Because that's how the fire service, that's the beauty of the fire service. Yeah, and anybody who's not in a position of giving back in, in the organization, they're, they're not where they're supposed to be. No, not at all. At you all. Know, and I, I think that's so important. If you have all this information and all this training and this knowledge and you keep it, you're not doing anybody any justice. No, not at all. Not at all. So, I, I think some of the best times I ever had in my, um, I mean, very soon after I got onto the fire department in 95, I became a um, fire level one instructor and then a level two instructor. And I did a lot of training in the, uh, in the academies over the next 10 years or so, and it was great. 
In fact, uh, I'm looking to get reestablished as an instructor, you know, 27 years after being in the business, and, 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 and give back because, you know, molding a young fireman is exactly where you need to be. 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And um, that experience that you're bringing on to these new recruits is invaluable. But you can't even put a price tag on it. No. You just can't. It's invaluable. So you move on to this rescue company at only two years on. Less than two years, yeah. Wow. So at one point, you have these senior guys in the house, guys you said are writing books. How how did they embrace you? At first, they kind of like, you know, who's this kid? Who does he know? You know, um, one of the things I had brought to the table was um, at the time, there weren't many EMTs. I was an EMT at the time. I was working at the medical center part-time here in Jersey City. And um, so my, my reputation was kind of growing then. So they said, okay, they needed an EMT. So I did all right with that. And then um, they started bringing me into the technical rescue area, uh, like teaching ropes, knots, hauling systems, repelling systems, technical rescue, uh, vehicle extrication. And it was really, really what I wanted to be because it was the busiest. You, know, you went to every job. And, you know, being a young fireman, you don't want to listen to work. You want to be in the middle of the work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's where it brought me. And um, so, and, and there were quite a few fires in the mid-90s, probably even going up to about 98. We were getting some good work, yeah. real good work. And um, once I showed my commitment to their training, they, uh, they took me to levels that I could have only dreamed of if I, if I was other places. So it... It set my, my mental attitude right, uh, my, my training, my physical well-being. And um, to work with those great names, again, I, 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 owe, I owe them everything that I do today. If you could tell them something today, if Richie Gorman can tell them something today, what would you tell them? That I owe my career to them. You know, what I am and where I sit today is... Because of them, especially Kevin Stewart. And, um, and then today, I pass it on to these guys. You know, by my example, um, by my training, um, I, I, I try to give back to them. Because this will be their job one day. I'm temporary here. I will, I will move on. I will retire like everybody else. And I'll become good old what's-his-name. Right. But today, I'm going to enjoy it. And, I'm, and these guys are going to learn... We'll learn together. What, the one thing I'll say about the Jersey City Fire Department is, uh, and, and again, I, I said this at the beginning of the show, from the minute I got here, I was treated like family. And you, you can't fake that. No. Right? No. So, you know, it's amazing to me that the culture of the Jersey City Fire Department is alive and well. It is. It is. And, and it's largely, you know, it's based on who was here before us. You know, right, um, those put the, set the groundwork for us. Right? Yeah. Um, if you look over my shoulder on the back of my window on the, on the car, and you'll start to see this on every rig, but you'll see a list of every fallen firefighter in the history of Jersey City, uh, which includes three before uh, 1871, before we became a pre professional service. Um, so every, every man that died in the line of duty put his life on the line and lost it and made the ultimate sacrifice for, you know, what we all believe are the greatest citizens, 
you know, and even the visitors into Jersey City, there are responsibility. We take that incredibly seriously, as these men did. And, you know, that, that's our legacy. And for their souls, we push ourselves to be the best of the very best. And, um, you know, every fire department should feel the way we feel. I agree. You know, and if you don't, well, maybe you should really rethink the type of business that you're in and what service you really want to provide because um, these men, these women here, these are the best. And, I, and I've been here in this group a short time, and, and I, see, I, I see things that is not very typical of a firehouse. There's, there's a bond that's here. Um, when you can get 14, correct, 13, 14 people together mm -hmm. and have them work the way they work together, and just the, just the way they they gel and they mesh together, that's that's a task in itself. Yes. I mean, you could do a show. I could do a show on just that. Well, you, like, all the footage you got today, you might. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But but honestly, getting that many people together to buy in like that and to become a cohesive unit is amazing. And that again, that sets me back to the culture of the Jersey City Fire Department. Something is whatever you're doing here, you're doing it right. Yeah. It's it, working. It, I, I would replace the word culture with family. Um, we just recently went out as a company, you know, as, as a house, and had one of the greatest times I've had in, in quite some time. And again, that, that personality cohesion, when, when, when it fires like that, you know, that, that could be a once-in-a-career, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And you know, when you get that, you enjoy it. Because, you know, everything changes. Like next year, one person leaves, another person comes in, and, it, and it's all upset. So we have that now. We're going to enjoy it now and, Absolutely. and mentor it. You know, it's great uh, off camera. <clears throat> when I had an opportunity to talk to some of the firefighters here, um, one, of your, one of your brothers here took me aside and said, the chief, we're so happy to have him. You know, that's the buy-in, right? So they're not saying it because you're standing there. You weren't even anywhere around. That was told to me. So it's nice that... It's nice to feel appreciated. Nice to feel that you're making a difference here. And, and, it, and the feeling is reciprocal. I mean, it is... I, I shine as bright as they're going to let me shine. And um, another fireman that, um, you know, uh, that died was a guy that was assigned to me. Uh, he was a fireman, uh, Jimmy Woods. Christmas night, I get a phone call in the middle of the night um, that he had passed. And I, uh, I was not with the company at the time, but the company was on duty, and they responded to the house, and uh, they took his body out. And they, it was pretty amazing. Um, and, and it's just, it, it brings me right back. But uh, at his eulogy, I said that about that crew, that um, they made me shine like a diamond. And, and it, was, it, was, it was us, all us. And it's the same thing here. I feel it here. You know, and, and, it, and that's not by chance, you know. So, um, again, my, my, my deep commitment to these men and women, to the fire service, to the city of Jersey City, is, it, it's there. It's 100% it's there. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to do well. And uh, yeah. I, I, I applaud them. You know, when you, when you told my story, I couldn't help but uh, to get overwhelmed because it's, it, this is a few, one of the few professions where, we're always together, you know, and uh, it's, it's not just here. It's not just at the firehouse. It's as soon as you walk out that door, 
someone call you, hey, my basement's flooded. No problem. Next thing you know, you got 13 people from your house that are there helping you with your flooded basement. And, and it's just that phone call, that phone call when you got that night. Um, they called you because they knew you cared. They know that you wanted to be there and that you had to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, to be part of that and have their family there while you were there is so important. It is. It so absolutely important. is. You, one of the things, about 20 years ago we started, there was an honor guard in the fire department prior to us reforming it, but we reformed it again 20 years ago this month. Um, that journey had brought me to, to many places and ultimately um, to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation and the local assistance support team that got formed in New Jersey. And our task was to go to every place in the state of New Jersey that had a line of duty death and assist a, a firehouse or a fire company that didn't have an honor guard or have the, the technical means or the administrative means or the experience to bury one of their own in a very, very overwhelming situation. So we, we went into this um, me and uh, Greg Collier from Mount Laurel and um, some other guys from all over the state. And uh, we, we learned to do that. And little did I know I've had, I would have had to have applied it here in, in, in New Jersey. I mean, I have a small list of yeah, incredible names. Uh, Firefighter James Woods, uh, uh, Tommy Polofsky, Captain Mark Lee. Um, Captain Mark Lee was a line of duty death because he succumbed to injuries that he sustained uh, in 9-11. Deputy Chief Kevin Stewart. Uh, it wasn't a line of duty death, but we gave him because it was, you know, we were still investigating. Um, and that, that, was, that was incredible. But through all of the journeys that I've had with, um, even with uh, Jack Ferry from this very house, he died very suddenly off duty. Uh, all of the journeys was, was never more profound than, than, than the two things. Um, if you ever have an opportunity to go down to the Fallen Firefighters uh, the weekend and see the survivors, you, you, if you have any question of how committed you are to each other in the fire service, you have to go down there because then you have to see a family without their father. And it forces you to rethink how you do everything you do in the fire service and what you mean to every person. And, and in that, I brought the Woods family down, I escorted them, and in a moment, I saw the most powerful man in the United States, in, in the world, President Barack Obama, kneel down and give his daughter a hug and a kiss and tell him that he was sorry for you know, the loss of her father. And that, 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 that's an incredible, if that doesn't move you to commit to this service, nothing will. So um, I learned from that, um, and, and I will give this department and any fireman anything that they need to, you know, to, to get by on any given. If they ask for my help, they'll get my help. And that brings me back to uh, something I learned about you today, and that's that uh, you're part of that critical incident team for Jersey City. Correct? Yes. Um, our response to some of our issues that we've had with firefighting, uh, firefighter problems and situations and, um, and, and a suicide, uh, we weren't really equipped, in my opinion. I, I, in my opinion. 
So a committee was formed and we started a critical incident stress team. And there are quite a few people on here, uh, Deputy Chief Paul Drennan, Firefighter Mike Soma, um, Deacon Bob Baker, who is the, uh, the police department chaplain, does it on the police, and he was kind enough to assist us, and we started to organize somewhat. And so um, now we have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week component where people can call us. You know, if they want to speak, no questions asked. This is, this is what we will listen. I will go. I will have coffee with you. I, any one of us will. Because... Again, there is nothing more important than the health and safety of every fireman on this job. I mean, I'm okay, like myself, and I, and I can provide to do that. I mean, um, like you, Frank, I'm sure you've done a lot of research. There is a, a big difference between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorders. Yes, there is. And, um, you know, what separates the stress or PTS from PTSD is your resilience. You know, I, I know you've seen a lot. I know I've seen a lot. And how I cope with this, um, um, firefighter Matt Neistat, I go to a car accident. People, uh, horrific car accident, a lot of blood, really bad. Somebody recognizes a tattoo on the man's arm, and he says, you know, that's a fireman. What do you mean that's a fireman? I go over there. So now you have a call that you don't have much of an emotional attachment to, and then now you're thrust into overdrive. Like that. Like that. And my shock, you know, I, the only thing that I could do was take a breath, take a step, saw a fireman that I trusted, Walter Milne, and I told Walter what was going on. And I told him, I says, you know, we got to get through this. And he, if you knew Walter, he said, we'll get through it. And we did. That night was one of the worst nights in my firehouse because, uh, in, in my firehouse career, because at the hospital, when his mother came, they had to inform her that he had passed. And once again, I witnessed, you know, a mother being told the most horrific news she could ever hear. And then, my training, uh, because to recover from that, you you have to go back to tasks very simple tasks, just like 9-11, um, when I went to 9-11. On the evening of 9-11, I looked at that and I, and I said, I'm, I'm gonna die here. And I looked at my partner, Mike Young, from the Elizabeth Fire Department, he looked at me, and uh, we said, we gotta find something to do. And we did, and we survived that. Um, and just with this funeral, I, we, we became service-oriented and we, organized his funeral, because that's what we do. This is what the fire department does for each other. And uh, Butchie Cobb said at one time, Deputy Chief Butchie Cobb said, nobody says goodbye like the fire service says goodbye. And we gave him a majestic going away because he deserved that and his family deserved that. Um, but again, um, I went back to task level. I went to doing something. And then when that funeral was over, then I got back into my car and, and, and I wept and I shook it off. The next day I came back to work and I was ready to go. Which leads me to my next question and that is, how is it that we do what we do, right? So what I mean by that is how do we lose, how do we lose each other and then get back in the car and do it again? How do we go back to work? 
because every name on the back of this car says that we have to be there because the, the, the citizens of this city deserve, like I said before, the best of the best. Now, <laughs> I'll lighten up. <laughs> one of the things I love the most is um, how we respond to stuff. And one of the best ways to see it is uh, um, the Chicago fire chief, they asked him, uh, they, they, they must have asked him a question like, you know, how, same question. His answer was, and this is great, our department takes 1,120 calls every day. You know how many calls the public expects perfection on? Every one. Every single one of them. 1,120. And nobody calls the fire department that says, send me two dumbass firemen in a pickup truck. <laughs> in three minutes, they want five brain surgeon decathlon champions to come and solve all of their problems. 100%. And you know who that is? That's them. Absolutely. Right on the other side of the camera is the crew from this firehouse. And everybody on this group and everybody on this job. That's, that's why. That's how. Because, you know, and, then, and we've taken an oath. Some people, people who take their oath seriously, they're, they're the real deal. People come to work for a paycheck. You know what? Leave the work to us. Yeah, I... I I can't agree more. I can't agree more. And I, I get picked on a lot because I'll say, you know, to me, this was a calling. You know, when I, at a very young age, five. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I can remember thinking back, oh, my, I, all I wanted to do was a fireman. So when I finally graduated the fire academy, to me, that was, that was the best day of my life, you know, becoming a firefighter. And you're right. If you don't have that burning, that desire, that flame, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting to see some individuals come into this job asking questions like, well, what's my pension look like? How much money am I make? How many days off do I get? It, you know, I would never, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care, but I just wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's interesting to see how it's different now. Yeah, it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Not for everybody. Not for I mean, everybody. I enjoy my, my paycheck. I enjoy yeah, my course. pension. I'm yeah. going to care for my family. But, you know, my... Um, Jersey City paid for my education, paid for the house that I grew up in because my father was a civil servant. And that same component is educating my family, uh, my two daughters, my son, uh, my wife and I, we have our home and we're raising her. Uh, my daughter's in college, the first woman to be in the college. Um, I have two beautiful grandsons who you know adore the fire, you know, the fire. Hopefully, they have the same thing I have. Um, but I mean, that is important. Uh, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is again, you know, saving a, li a life, a life. Again, you've seen it uh, in a heartbeat. Life changes. You know, and uh, when when you're there, if uh, if you ever have the opportunity to save somebody, really know that somebody was, you know, passing over and you, you, you took them back. That, that's an incredible feeling. Yeah. An incident I was involved in um, was I, I did CPR on, a, on another firefighter. And, uh, I mean, it was difficult at the time. I was by myself and uh, I had an AED and, and it worked out and he's alive today. Just his brother coming to see me, you know, 
it was incredible. And I can guarantee that your attitude was, it was my job. It was. It's what we do. It was. You know, it was, it was more, it was overwhelming because it was a firefighter, you know, so it was a lot, it was deeply personal, mm-hmm. you know, not that I don't take every patient that we have, you know, serious, I do, but, you know, that type of uh, personal impact, being a firefighter, it was, it was mm-hmm. so it was very rewarding to be able to walk away from that, and he's alive and well today, and that's, that's a, a good feeling, so. That's a better feeling in the world. It, it really is, it really is. So, you know, we're talking about all these things, right? What's your most rewarding? What's Richie Gorman's most rewarding part of your career to date? You know, to ask me for a single event in 27 years is, I can't say. I, I can't, I can't, you know, it's, I've been involved with a lot of different things and I've seen a lot of things and uh, what's that saying? I wish that my mind could erase what my eyes have seen. But yes. I can't. I yes. cannot. Um, and then, then you can get into the musical thing. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You can get into all of that as well. But um, does, has it made me stronger? Yes, it has. Uh, being here on a singular, singular basis every day, that's my greatest fear. It's funny, even this, I, I go back to my quotes. I love my quotes. Um, Edward Croker, Chief of the Fire Department of FDNY, uh, 1899 to 1911, he says, when a man becomes a fireman, his greatest act of bravery has already has been accomplished. What he does after that is all in his line, line of duty, his line of work. And, and, I, and I believe that too. And, and again, I write it down so I don't want to misquote a, you know, a, a great quote. This is on my email. Everybody, every time I send an email, they get that. And I believe that. So um, I, I'm, not, I'm not an extraordinary person. I'm, I'm an ordinary person that responds and operates at extraordinary circumstances. Well, I disagree. No. I disagree. And I disagree because I only met you one other time before tonight. But I have to tell you, sitting here and, and having this opportunity to, to talk to you, uh, a man that's so respected in the Jersey City Fire Department, uh, it, it's an absolute honor for me. And the things you're telling me... and. I'm usually not speechless. Anybody who watches my show knows that. I am literally speechless listening to, 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 what, to what you're saying. You are a leader. You are a mentor. You are someone to aspire to be. And anyone here that has the opportunity to have you in this house is lucky. Then I would say that this moment right here is my greatest accomplishment. Because that's what we try to do. That's, that's who we are. That's what we do. Absolutely. So... Now that you have this part of your, this chapter of your career, what do you want to do moving forward? What's the future for Richie Gorman? <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't tell you that I want to leave. Um, you don't. I, I don't. I, this, I know you don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to leave. Um, financially speaking, maybe thing uh, situations will dictate that I leave earlier than I want to, but that's. That would, that's going to be a, found, a sound financial decision. Um, if, if I could swing that, I might. If um, there's a possibility that the contract gets extended, I have a little bit more time. That's, that's, that's fine. But um, eventually, I will have to retire. Um, one of the things I, I, meant, I didn't mention before, uh, 
about 10 years ago, I had an injury to my neck and to my shoulder, and it kind of took me out of the line. I, I, I couldn't keep up. I, 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 was, I was a liability, and I had to leave being on the line. And if you've ever had to do that, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. But I was fortunate enough to land into um, the emergency management position that I had as a deputy director or a deputy coordinator uh, with Greg Kearse, and he taught me incredible incredible things, and uh, I was able to support this fire department on an administrative level uh, for a long time, and we brought millions of dollars of uh, training, equipment, and, and such back in. And um, I didn't realize how much I missed. It was, I was there for about eight, nine years, and then an opportunity came up when I got promoted to battalion chief. Uh, chief McGill says, now there's, there's a line opening. You know, I think you should take it. And I refused it at first, and so it was filled. A month later, another one came up, and he said, listen, if you don't take this, there may not be another opening for quite some time. And um, he sat me down, and he spoke to me, and, he, and Steve McGill used to be the, where I was some years ago. And he says, um, I love what I was doing in emergency management, but I, my love was in the fire service. And I can see that in you. And it was a very personal conversation. And um, I, I paid a lot of attention to him. And I did. I wanted to go back. But I didn't want to let Greg Kearse down because I was loyal to him and to Jerry Caller at the time. Um, I, I, I was loyal to everything I was doing. And so but Steve said, you know, we'll get by. And so I spoke to all three men. And they said, if this is what you want, this is what you do. And they knew I wanted it. And I didn't realize how much I missed the fire service until I returned into the firehouse. And I never want to leave. You know, uh, as far as going back to emergency management, when I retire from here, emergency management will be there for me in another place, another time. Absolutely. But this is, this is finite. This is, I will have to leave this one day. And I never want to look back at my life and my career and say, like, I kind of regret that. And uh, I don't. And I, again, th these guys in the firehouse now, they, they, make, it, they make it easy. Like this, 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 this family sense is you don't you don't get this anywhere. What what you can't see, which is off camera right now, is your family. Now, He's off. They they don't have they don't have to be there. They could be in the lounge. They could be in the box. They could be wherever they want to be. But they're here, right? And they're watching, and they're pinned on you. They're listening to every word. Again, that all comes back to the respect that they have for you. And it's the same reason I'm literally speechless. No, you know, they, they don't want to mop to the floor either. But that's <laughs> <laughs> that, that will wait. That, that can wait. That can wait. That will wait. This is, this is a special moment. This is. This is. And, and you're right. And um, just to be clear with the family, um, my attitude is we're, we're brothers and sisters. When I, I'm not a, I, I don't want to be a father figure. Um, you know, when I got to be a chief, they know I'm the chief. Everybody knows I'm the chief, you know, here in the 3rd Battalion. And everybody knows that Deputy Chief Paul Drennan is my boss, and he has high expectations of what happens here. And, um, you know, the officers here in this battalion are incredible officers. They're doing strong work. And they got firefighters here that want to learn this job, and they just don't want to be good at it. They want to excel at it. They... They are building a reputation for them. So whether they know it or not, 
they are building a good, a, a great, an epic relationship, you know, or a, a reputation for themselves. Absolutely. That goes without question. It, it wouldn't be fair to me, Chief, not to hit you with, with a hard question. Certainly. A difficult question. 27 years in a fire department like this is, is a feat in itself. What has been the hardest challenge for you? <clears throat> to get promoted. To get promoted. Um, funny, I, I, I could have taken my first captain's test very seriously with four years on the job, but uh, and my deputy chief at the time, Marty McNulty, said that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't play that game. You know, study, study to win, you know, and, and, I, and I did. Because I didn't believe in my heart that I had the experience and the knowledge base um, enough to lead men. I just didn't think I had that. Uh, and I should have listened to him because at the end of that, that, that cycle on the list, I had seven years on the job. And I'm looking at firefighters who were getting promoted that were, you know, different. And um, I said, I think I could have done a better job. I could have, should have done a better job. So I took those influences and I studied for the next cycle, three years later, and I came out in the top ten. And that was and and that and that is a total, total involvement of my family, my wife, sacrifices by them, my children, vacations, um, sacrifices in, in, in the fire service, um, you know, whereas I could have been playing for, I am, I'm, I'm a good, you know, I, I like to play games in the firehouse, I have that reputation too, <laughs> um, and, and I think that's, that balance, but I, I, I gave a lot of that up because, um, and, I, and I had, because you have to be all in, again, the responsibility to be an officer in the fire service, responsible for the lives of men under you. When, when you're on a company, when you're a captain, you're involved in a task, a single task. So if you're lining in, you're doing fire suppression, you're lining in and you're going in. If you're a ladder company, you're going to the roof, you're doing a primary search, you don't, you, you, you're task oriented. That's very, very singular. When I'm here, I have an engine company lined in and I got an engine company setting up to give a feed. I got the first ladder company doing ventilation. I got the second ladder company doing search, utility, control. I got the third pumper getting the backup line. I got the fourth pumper getting up a secondary water supply for the second attack pumper. I have rescue coming in. I have to have a report for um, the deputy when he comes in. I, I see everything. So now I'm not just responsible for three guys. I'm responsible for 43 guys and, um, and and that's out of fire or you know and then I can get into technical rescue incident, I get into hazmat into I can get into all of the but that moment that moment that's 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 not where it that, that may be where it ends but it begins here in the firehouse it begins with the train we did some training today with radio and that was great training by the way Thank you. I saw an article. Um, we decided, I spoke to the captains. They thought it was a good idea to exercise it. We kind of adapted it a little bit. And some of the young guys um, started to see what radio feedback and the problems with the radio feedback presents to the fire ground. Um, 
and the, the end objective was to get the officers to slow down, give me a clear, concise report, so I don't have to say, last unit, waste their time, waste my time, because if it's a May Day, we have no you have time. You have no time, right. You have no time at that point. So um, that, that, that's kind of, and, and we were talking about um, fireground tempo and rhythm, um, you know, Cormac brought up rhythm, you know, good terms, you know, because you can, I can sit out there and I can get a feel if it's going good or something's not so good, something's, you know when something's missing too. You just, you get, you get a sense and uh, these guys, you know, if there's something they don't see in the interior of the building that's gonna put them at risk, I have to pick that up and I have to take them out and I have to remove them because I am ultimately, you know, if God forbid something happens to them, I am the one that has to face their, their family and say that, you know, I wasn't 100% there. They weren't, uh, they weren't ready, and I knew it, and I did nothing about it. I can't live with that. Absolutely not. You know, we, you know I, I'm not out here training till 23 hours a day, but we're trying to do something every single day. Absolutely. And it's, and it's impactful because that, that training you did here today, I'm going to bring it back to my company. And, that's, and, and I'm going to do the same thing you did because that, that was a great drill, and it was – it's something we do every day. It right? is. And you just don't think about how you can just take a moment to change one thing. Like, I loved how when you were talking to the ladder company and you said, it was great. By you just moving your face over to the right, it changed everything. Mm -hmm. I heard you 100% better. Yeah. And it's all done in training. Yeah. So that little bit of that little training you did, now on the far ground, that's going to matter because mm -hmm. they're going to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it's, another it's one great. of my jobs is to... Um, we've all had the screamers, we've all had the yellers, and we all know what that does to a fireground. That's, oh, yeah. that's, doesn't work. So, all hell can be breaking loose around me. And not every day do I do it, but I, most days I do. But they look, my guys, the, the firemen look to the captains for good, orderly, nice, you know, calm in our storm. And they're right on the edge. The firemen are on the edge. Now you got the captain. I'm right on the edge too. But it's self-control. It's discipline that we have to do. And that was a part of our exercise. But they're looking to me. If I'm in control, it just may be enough to keep them on the edge of being in control, not losing, you know, not losing their mind. You know, it's interesting. That actually all starts with the dispatch. If if uh, maybe not here because I'm not obviously familiar with Jersey City the way they operate dispatching, but. In some fire departments, if the dispatcher's amped up and they're dispatching it and their their tone changes, it's already setting the tone now for everyone else on en route to this call. Mm -hmm. So if the chief is elevated, now obviously your engine officer, truck officer, rescue officer is going to be elevated. Mm -hmm. So it just it really does trickle down the line. It does. Where everyone's it affected. It does, and it's contagious. Absolutely. So, you know, really what what I try to do is keep my, keep my cool. You know, profess to them to keep their cool, and, and even with our dispatches, um, you know, for those for those who d didn't know him, uh, Ira Rubin. Today, today is his uh, anniversary of his death. Um, for those who didn't know Ira Rubin, Ira Rubin is a fire department historian at uh, for Jersey City. He was, we were his adopted fire department. And he loved us. He loved us more than some our own firemen loved this department. But he was there. Uh, he was also a dispatcher. Um, he. When he was on the comm, when he was at the desk, it was, it was incredible. You knew 
you know, you, you could sense his tone of what you, you knew him, you knew him very well, and you knew his, his commitment and his love for us. Um, for the most part, our dispatchers do do a very good job. They, um, they give us the information. Um, there's some young people up there too. Uh, some of them don't have fire ground experience, um, you know, never, never been in emergency services, but uh, they, they do get us the information. They, they, I don't think they really promote to, to us getting all worked up. Uh, so it really is our responsibility on the fire ground to maintain that discipline. Absolutely, yeah, it, it is our responsibility, you're right. And again, that's, especially if you have a dispatcher that isn't familiar with fire ground operations and, or has never been involved in emergency services, mm -hmm. It's, that in itself is a challenge because yeah, they haven't, you know, they haven't at least had that part of it, whether in a volunteer service or not. But know, that's that, that, that's the beauty of being is, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not being arrogant. It, it, it is it, it's in with all confidence that um, this department is is the premier fire department in the state of New Jersey, and that and, that, and that's not to disparage uh, our brothers and sisters both in the career and volunteer worlds. No, that's that's not, you know. What happens in Newark and what works for Newark, that's Newark. They do very, very well at what they do. Same thing for Patterson, Passaic, Trenton, and so on. But, you know, we, Jersey City, uh, I'm, I'm, Jersey City cannot be managed by anybody else than a Jersey City <laughs> fire. <laughs> well, you, listen, you said it before in, in, in the buggy when we were in the truck together. You said that wherever you're from, you should think that you're in the best fire department. Yes, you have to. That's critical. You know, like where you are, in, um, in my township, if my township firemen don't believe that, that, that they were cut above the rest, like I said earlier, they, you re they, they have to reevaluate re what their commitment to the fire service is. Because once you commit to this service, there's, just, there's, there's no going back. No, absolutely you know, this, not. This, you know, this is 100% this is all in. You know, people, again, people's lives depend on us. This city is, is, is so fortunate to have some of the, the, the caliber of firemen that we have, that we've produced. I, I saw that today. I honestly did. I saw that today. And I, this was an absolute honor for me, I mean, a privilege, really. And, uh, Chief, I appreciate it having me here. Oh, you, you are welcome in this firehouse anytime. I appreciate that. We had, we had such a good time today, uh, you know, going to these, going to the calls and then the kitchen, you know, that. But before I let you off the hook, what does that kitchen table mean to you? Oh, I, I tell you, we, you know what? You want to solve the world's problems? <laughs> that's <laughs> Everyone that, says that's that, where man. you go, man. That's the, we, we have solved every problem under God's son in that fight. And then, you know, again, you know, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Fire Department, they got kitchen tables too, and I'm sure they've solved the problem or two, and, uh, and, you know, and, and we've laughed about it. Um, there is, there is, we, we can solve all the problems. We, we can sit in the fire. Uh, we've trained, we've cried, um, we've eaten, um, we've spent more time together. I, tw I will spend 18 hours with these guys before I go to sleep, and that may be more than I spend with my wife and children for the rest of this week. And that's where, you know, we are fortunate to have a home family, which I love my wife and my children and my grandchildren, and, and I love my life. But I have to tell you, when I go home tomorrow morning, at, when I leave here at eight o'clock, I, I just can't wait <laughs> to come back in my 72. And it's not to say I don't love, I do, I, I enjoy I my family. I understand exactly what you mean, yeah. But I love this too. There, there is nothing like this, and if you, 
If you've experienced it, you know what I mean. If you have not, well, I, I kind of feel bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Chief, thank you so much. You're welcome, Frank. It's, uh, I appreciate you, you coming Chris, on. Chris, anytime you're in Jersey City, you are a, uh, you're a guest of the Jersey City Fire Department, and we'd be proud and honored to have you back in any time you want. We, we may even give you like an honorary position at one point. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> so since you, you came on the show, you, you know, you can't, first of all, you can't leave here empty-handed, right? I can never, that can never happen, especially with us. So I have a, a, I have a new sponsor, right? Police and Fire Tags out of New Jersey, out of a town in Lanoka Harbor, which is down the shore, as you say. And we had this made for you special. So that's our logo with your name on it. Episode 15, Italian Chief Gorman. There you go. Very nice. Well, I'll proudly accept this on behalf of my guys. This is, this is really cool. And, uh, you know, I, what can I say? I, but thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was an honor. And I got a patch for you, too, from Eagle Emblem Graphics. They hook us up with patches. And I got a, I got a truck patch, which is awesome. I can't wait. That was just awesome, so I'll be sure to put that out. Yeah, we, we have some gifts. I, I wanted to see what size shirt you are. We'll have a nice, <laughs> nice shirt for you. I know uh, Chris is a double XL. <laughs> Chris, he's smiling behind the camera. Well, Chief, thanks again. I appreciate Thank you so much Frank. coming on the show. Thank you very much. And, uh, it's a, again, my pleasure, my honor uh, to represent this great department. And, um, and, and again, the, the fine work that you're doing um, for the fire service. This is, um, you know, again, I, I know some of your story, and I know the healing attributes of this for you on a deeply personal level. Yes. And um, if by somebody watching this, it can adjust their attitude to the all-in that's necessary for, for us, well, then, then, then we accomplish it. And if we uh, motivated somebody to become a Jersey City fireman or a fireman in their community, well, then God bless you. You have our support, and, you know, we're always around. And so I thank you. Oh, please, it's an absolute honor. And, again, if you could pass on to the, the, you know, the crew that left, if we miss them, thanks so much for having us here. Yeah, I tell you what, it wasn't a bad we're, show. We're coming for back. We're definitely no, coming you're back. You're gonna, you're gonna come back. And, you know. We have to come back. You got, right, you this was episode 15, Pin the Q podcast, uh, in Jersey City. What a great, great fire department, great house, and uh, this, this was, a, this was a special one for me, Chief. It really was. Keep an eye out. We got episode 16 coming at you. Not gonna tell you who that is right away. You have to see. So you have to pay attention to Instagram so we can drop that out for you. Um, be sure to check out our website. We just finally got that updated. It's like the Stone Ages. We got a website updated. And that's www.pintheq.com. Be careful. Stay safe. We'll look out for each other.